Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Remain standing for the reading of the Word from Genesis chapter 50, verse 24, just, uh, just three verses here we will read today. And we've already had a blessing here, being here from 10 till now. God has already moved among us, but He's not finished. He's not finished with what He's going to do in this room in the next few moments, in you and your children. Amen. How many believe God wants to touch us and our children? Praise God. Not just me, but us and our children. Happy 10-year anniversary to Pastor Cody, Sister Lauren. Amen. Um, echo those words for my wife and what a blessing they are. And uh, let's read today. How many ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. Somebody shout, I'm ready, ready, ready. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land, unto the land which he swore, he promised, he prophesied. To the land which he swore to Abraham, meaning God made this promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Praise God. Somebody shout, there's a prophecy over me. I want you to really believe it. There is a prophecy over me. Look at your neighbor and say, there is a prophecy over my life. My, I feel that. When you come against me, you're messing with the wrong guy. If God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? Look at your neighbor and say, you better not mess with me. Amen. <laughs> You're messing with the wrong guy. Praise God. You need to turn around to somebody and say, you're messing with somebody that has promise. MC Hammer said, can't touch this. Dun, 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 dun. I think that's what he said. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. Not only did he say it once, he said it twice. God is gonna visit you. I feel that today. God is gonna visit you. He said, and ye, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. What he was saying, when God visits you, don't you dare leave me in Egypt. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. I, I'd like to preach simply on, you can't hold me. You can't hold me. You cannot. I, I wish somebody, I, I want 100% of everybody in the building to say, you cannot hold me. My goodness. There is a powerful witness of the Spirit in this room today. Would you clap your hands and praise Him for His goodness? You may be seated. Joseph's prophecy 
was some 400 years prior and he states what was told to him by his father, Jacob. Jacob told, uh, uh, was told by his father, Isaac, and Isaac was told by his father, Abraham, because God had visited Abraham and he said to him, I'm gonna bring you and your people. There is a nation within you. And I'm gonna bless those that bless you. Somebody shout, that's me. And I'm gonna curse those that curse you. And he tells them, there is a land that flows with milk and honey. It's the land of Canaan. It belongs to you. It's going to be your land. As we know, God called Joseph to go into Egypt to preserve his own people during the drought, the famine of the land. And he was there. God raised him up to be second in command in all of Egypt. God gave him favor. He brought his 70 family members into Egypt with much favor of God up on their life. Joseph, before he died, being 110 years old, he called his children in and his grandkids in and he said to them, he said, I want you to hear what was told to me by God, what was told to me by my elders, what was told to me by my pastor, what was told to me by the people of God. They told me and I tell you, that God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He was saying to them, there's something better in the future than Egypt. There's something better in the future than what you are dealing with now. For God said, he's gonna visit you and bring you out. Somebody shout, he's gonna visit me and bring me out. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's exactly, he dies, they put him in a coffin, they embalm him and they bury him probably near one of the leaders and in some form of tomb. That ends the book of Genesis and starts the book of Exodus we find that they were in Egypt for about 430 years. And uh, it says in chapter one that there rose up a Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh wasn't a name, it was a title. But it was a Pharaoh that rose up that knew not Joseph. He had no relationship with Joseph. His historical connection was not to Joseph which means now he has no favor or connection to the people of Joseph, which would have been the Hebrews or the Jews. As a matter of fact, when he looked out over the land and in Egypt, and there are now millions of Hebrews, millions of Jews in the land, he is no longer welcoming to them, he's fearful of them. And he says, what will happen if they raise up a mighty army and take over our country. I would say to you and everybody that's in this building that has been born again at some time or another, or you have the prophecy or promise of being born again over your life, I would say to you that the devil is intimidated by you and your family. He wants nothing more than to destroy you. He wants nothing more than to hinder you 
and to stop you. So that's what he did. He took these people that were descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he put them, made them slaves, would shackle them, and he would beat them. Bible says that they had taskmasters over them. They were now not the children of Israel really in the land, they were the people of bondage. They were shackled to slavery in that day. But what Pharaoh didn't know is what Joseph had said. He knew not Pharaoh, which means he knew not his prophecy. His prophecy is there's coming a day that God is gonna visit his people in this land and he's gonna bring you out of Egypt into a promised land. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, if God speaks something, nothing can stop it from happening. If God says it, it shall come to pass. When God sets a prophecy in motion, it doesn't matter who the king is, it doesn't matter who the leader is, God puts a word in motion, it will fulfill what it was sent to do. And there's prophecy over you today. There's a prophecy over you. (coughs) Somebody shout amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a prophecy over you. It didn't look like it because they had stripes on their back They were working tirelessly every day. They were weary with where they were. They were beat for a period of time and certainly they were living out. You would have never looked at a Jew in that day and thought to yourself, they're blessed. They're the people of God. They were trying to be pushed down to the lowest of society. They would have been emotionally filled with inadequacy, probably fear and some level of oppression. But may I say to you, when it looked like, are y'all with me here today? When it looked like everything was going wrong and they didn't even look like the people of God, Exodus says that the more that they were afflicted in Exodus 1.12, it says the more they multiplied and grew. If you're not careful, you will not see what God is doing because of the pain that you're going through. But if you realize when you have prophecy over you, every whip brings multiplication. Every attack brings growth in your life. That's why the writer can say, rejoice not against me, O mine enemies, for when I fall, I shall arise. There might be weakness in me, but there's great strength in who is for me, and God is for me. Somebody shout, he's for me. I come to preach to you on this Sunday. God is not done with you. Don't mistake your pain for a final destination. God's about to bring something out of your life that's gonna be fruitful, it's gonna be multiplied, and it's gonna be amazing. Somebody say the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. Oh, they couldn't stop them. They just kept on having babies. They just kept on multiplying. They're suffering and producing. They're in pain and agony and producing. Somehow they're they're not where they should be, but they seem to be producing. Because even though they were in Egypt, they were still the people of God. Even though they were in bondage, they were still the people of God. I don't always understand why God's people suffer. 
But I do know that there's Bible that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us out of them all. You're gonna have hard days. You're gonna have bad days. But when the pain comes, multiplication is coming. When the pain comes, growth is on the way. I'm not preaching to a group of church people. I'm preaching to the people that have prophecy. You are the children of God. You are the church of the most high God and there's prophecy over you. Somebody take your hand and put it over your head and say there's prophecy over me. If you afflict it, you cause it to multiply. Blessed in the midst of pain. And so all of a sudden there shows up a man. God shows up to a stuttering Shepherd, the backside of a hill that was spared when they began to try to kill all the boy babies. Preached about it a while back, had a baby in a basket. And um, they, were, they, were, they were trying to destroy, they were trying to destroy the, the children because the, the children, because they knew something was coming. The enemy knows something's on the way. The enemy can always sense deliverance. He might not know the prophecy but he can sense there's a transition of something about to happen. That's why he starts attacking the way he does. And no matter the loss, no matter the pain, no matter the suffering, something was going on. The enemy was trying to stop them from going out where God wanted them to be. I just feel this. Don't ever mistake an attack as, as a response to you not being good enough. Uh, uh, your response should never be, I deserve this. Your response should never be, Question God, is he know where I'm at? You should never, never do that. And we can ask God why, but we should never question him that we're not good enough. That's why we're suffering. There has to be this in you is weeping may endure for a night. Brother Mark Meelick, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I've been going through some things, but this is not my final destination. Your family might have some pain in it right now, but that pain is not gonna be forever. God's about to bring you out of pain into multiplication. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Don't mistake pain for loss. Look at pain and every child of God can look over their life that stayed and see that pain always brings growth. Something dies before something can live. He even taught us, he said it this way, he said, except the wheat of, uh, a grain of wheat fall and die into the ground, it shall not live. But the, the death of the seed brings life to new, brings life. Can you say amen? amen. Sometimes affliction, what seemingly is killing, how many's ever felt like you're dying? How many's ever said in a righteous state, maybe just in a state of life, I don't, how am I gonna get through this? How many's ever been there? How are we gonna get through this? Sister Joyce, I know you said that every time or two. Your grandson the other day was at my house. I was so glad to meet him. And, uh, but I remember when your husband died. Man, wasn't it a miracle he got baptized? You remember that? That was a miracle. Sister Joyce, if you remain faithful, what seemingly was loss is going to come in great growth and multiplication. But you've got to keep believing. I know it was painful, but God's not done. There's prophecy over you. You had a praying mama in the church. Sister Stahl prayed prayers that are still alive and some of those prayers haven't come to pass yet. My, I wish somebody believed what I was preaching right now. 
Come on, there's prophecy over you. There's prophecy over your children. They might not be where they need to be, but God's not done yet. God's not done yet. God gets it out and say, he's gonna give a visitation. God's gonna visit. God's gonna visit. I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost. When Joseph said, God's gonna visit you, he's gonna visit them even though they're in the world, even though they're in Egypt, even though they're in bondage, they have addictions, they've got bitterness, they've got brokenness, but God said, I'm gonna visit them. He's gonna visit. Come on, how many of you God visited and he brought you out of that bitterness? He brought you out. Oh, clap your hands and praise him today. Somebody shout glory. glory. And so God spoke to this stuttering preacher. Oh, somebody else shout thank you. Amen. Somebody shout thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. And God calls this man by the name of Moses, pulled out of the water as a baby. And here he is. Here he is. Pulled out. When he looks and sees them whipping the Hebrews at age 40, Sister Rita, he got angry because God had destined him not just to be another person born. God had destined him to be the leader that was going to bring them out. God will always send a preacher to somebody in bondage. And the goal for the preacher coming in that life is to bring them into the prophecy and out of the bondage. The pain is about to disappear and the promise is about to take place. And when Moses comes up and he sees, Brother Bill, when he looks and sees somebody beating one of the Hebrews, he got so angry he killed him. You call it right or wrong. But God had put that in him because he did not want to see his people destroyed by Pharaoh any longer. There was a fight in him. There's a an intercession in him. There was this deliverance in him. He was trying to, he wasn't necessarily trying to kill the Egyptian, but he was trying to set them free from the pain. Are y'all hearing me today? And they, the word gets out and he buries him in the sand and word gets out, he goes, hides for 40 years and on the backside of a desert and God shows up and visits him. God will always visit, visit the prophet first. He says, Moses, take shoes off. You're on holy ground and uh, speaks through a fire. God sends a man, he's gonna be on fire. God always speaks to fire and fervency. Are y'all with me right now? Anything God ever did that changed anything had fire involved in it. Somebody shout passion. Oh, do y'all feel what I'm saying? We gotta get passionate. Don't you let, don't you dumb down and numb down. You gotta be passionate about this. And watch what he says. He said, Moses, I have called you to go lead my people out. And this is what he tells him. He said, Moses, he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob appeared unto me saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have come to bring you out to the land that was promised 
to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph prophesied it. It looked like it could never happen because of the whips, the bondage, the state of the Jews. There was pain, there was suffering, there was staying awake at night, agonizing. How are we gonna get through this? People lost the children that people had lost in their life. Everybody say, in the midst of pain, prophecy was over them. And God told Moses, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Woo. He said, but I'm gonna tell you something, Moses. I'm sure that the king of Egypt would not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And God said, and I will stretch out my hand and I'm gonna smite the land that they're in. You listen to this preacher. I don't care how long the devil's had his hands on your family. I don't care how long the king of Egypt has been the king of bondage in your world. When God visits and sends the prophet, amen, with the prophecy that's already over you, the king can try to do whatever he wants to do, but the king cannot hold you when God says, get out, come out. The king can't hold you. He can do everything he wants but he can't hold somebody that has prophecy over a visitation and deliverance. I want you to shout, you can't hold me. me. 20 years of bitterness, but you can't hold me. 30 years of addiction, but you can't hold me. 40 years of brokenness, but you can't hold me. Because when God designs a visitation, he's not just visiting you, he's coming to get you out. He's coming to set you free. He's coming to deliver. Somebody out, somebody shout, you can't hold me. That's exactly what the stuttering preacher did. He walked up to Pharaoh and he said, the Lord said, let my people go. Did he let him go? Oh no, he says, not gonna happen. There are slaves here. It's not going to happen. He said, well, the Lord's getting ready to do this, getting ready to do this. And 10 plagues later, the Lord turned that place upside down. He did. He turned that place upside down. But you know what he did on the last plague? The last plague, he did something that was permanent. He let the lamb die. And anytime the lamb dies and the blood is shed of a spotless lamb, it will always bring life to what seemingly was dead and will always bring deliverance to what was ever in bondage. And while they were in Egypt, somebody say in Egypt. Somebody say in Egypt. Oh, oh, listen to me today. When they were in Egypt, the lamb died. While they were in Egypt, the lamb was slain. And while they were in Egypt, the blood was applied. Everybody say in Egypt. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You said, but preacher, you don't know the things I've said about God. You don't know the things I've said, things that I've done, places I've been. Can I just tell you, all of that verbiage was a part of being in Egypt but that's not the way you're gonna talk when you get in Canaan land. All those things you said was because of pain and brokenness and bondage and suffering. It was a response to somebody else's decisions that brought you there. Don't you think God holds it against you? Because God said, there's gonna be a visitation. And when I come, I'm gonna set you free. Pharaoh's not big enough. Pharaoh's not strong enough. 
I'm going to preach till the shackles fall off today. I'm going to preach till the jail doors open up. I'm going to preach till the walls come down. I come to tell you there's a deliverer in the building. There's a savior in the building. There's a promise keeper in the building. Somebody shout amen. He said, I have seen what is happening in the land. He said, I have seen what is happening to my people. He said, by reason of their affliction, they cried unto me. I want to tell somebody in this room, many people, God has seen your pain. God has seen your suffering nights. God saw you in your brokenness. God understood you in your alcohol stupor. God realized you were drinking to cover something that happened when you were seven. God understood you were doing drugs to cover up something that happened by the whip of Pharaoh when you were a little kid. He understands you don't want to be drunk. You don't want to be high. You don't want to take those pills. He understands you're trying to medicate the pain of yesterday. And he also understands he's not done with you. There's a prophecy over you that's going to bring you out. I preach to you under the unction of the Holy Ghost. The visitation is here. The visitation is now. The visitation is upon you. And the prophecy. Don't you dare become content as a slave in Egypt. You don't belong in Egypt. It's not the will of God to be addicted. It's not the will of God to be in fear. It's not the will of God to be oppressed. It's not the will of God to be depressed. He said, I've come to set you free. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna preach to you and for you and against everything that's opposing you today. There's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. There's no, God's gonna set you free. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound. But Jesus set me free. Singing glory. Hallelujah. Jesus said, set me free. And I'm so glad. Jesus set me free. <laughs> Is there anybody in the building that says, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm gonna preach till it breaks. I'm gonna preach till the devil runs. I'm gonna preach till his heart hardened and he dies. I'm gonna preach till he runs out to another city. I'm gonna preach till he leaves the state. You can't have him anymore. You can't have them anymore. You can't hold me anymore. That's victory. Oh, but Pastor Bounds, you don't understand. I, I, I know the Bible. And I know the Bible and what the Bible says. And the Bible says that the sins of the fathers would be visited to the third and the fourth generation. And that's why I'm going through what I'm going through because I'm cursed. Preacher Bounds. They did things in my family. They did things and backslid. They made sins that I'm reaping. And it's just one of those things because don't you know, Brother Bounds, what the Bible says? That there's a curse on me? You're living out the sins. You're living out the curses. 
of a grandfather's mistake. And that's true. That spirit that whipped them will visit you. And it'll magnify the next generation. It will. Until. There's an until in every curse. Oh, God have mercy. Hallelujah. Is there a curse in your life? Some of you are just living out the actions of what you saw somebody else do and you just think you're cursed. And you're in here today saying, I have to live this way because Grandma, Grandpa gambled so I, I, I am and, and they, they, were, they did this so I am and, and uh, so uh, I, this is just where I'm going to live. Y'all, y'all go on to promised land. I got to stay here because I got to live this curse out. Lying devil. Deceiving devil. He always takes a little Bible and twists it to your, to your destruction. He'll take a little Bible and twist it because what somebody else did, you're hurt. What somebody else did, you're acting out. What somebody else did to you when you were a kid. What somebody else did and, and holding, harboring things of what somebody else did and the brokenness and holding that. Listen to me. I'm going to give you a great answer today. That was all stuff that happened when somebody chose to go to Egypt. But it doesn't mean that the promises and the blessings of God cannot be fulfilled in your life because what somebody else chose to do in their life. Give me a microphone. Hallelujah. I'm gonna obey the Lord. I'm gonna obey the Lord today. I'm gonna obey the Lord. I don't want anything holding me during this message. That curse stuff is real and a lie. Because when the blood was shed from the lamb, there was a visitation that was coming that was death upon the sin of the land. But there was this promise that was over the people of Israel that if you'll take the blood of the lamb and apply it to the doorpost of your house and get your kids behind. Curses can't touch people that are behind the blood. I'm just gonna tell you, what visited your daddy and visited your mom is gonna try to visit you, but if you're in the blood, it has to pass over you. It can't have you anymore. I come to preach to you. And when the blood, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood. And when the blood was applied, the blood was applied. And come here, Brother Dawson, run up here with your pastor. The blood was applied, and this is what happened. Uh, uh, uh. Stand right there. They were behind the door. You got to get behind the door. You got to get behind the door. The door has blood over it. You have to put one. Are you left-handed? You're right. You're running. Was that, would that be the foot that's going ahead if you're running? I got to crouch down a little bit. He said, get behind the door. And when you get behind the door, he said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want your kids to have their shoes on. I want their clothes on the back. And I want you to have their backpacks on and ready. I want you to be packed up and ready to go. Because when I visit, I'm going to bring the curse to the land that was trying to hold you. And I'm going to bring the strength to the people. A prophecy to get you out. 
The purpose of the blood was not just to wash away and to protect. The purpose of the blood was to get you out what somebody else put you in. You've got to get ready to get out. You've had us for 400 years, but you can't have me in alcohol anymore. You can't have my family in addiction anymore. You can't have me in bitterness anymore. I'm coming out in the name of Jesus. Come on, if he's ever done anything for you, you ought to shout. You ought to rejoice, for there's power in the blood of the Lamb. Somebody shout glory. They beat him until he wasn't recognizable. They put crowns of thorns on his head. They pierced him with the spear, nails in his hands. But when he died, his chin hit his chest and his body slumped. It looked like he was lifeless, but something happened when the blood was on the ground and his life was given. The Bible says dead saints. People that have been dead for years, 500 of them come bursting out of the tombs alive because the blood doesn't only wash away, it brings delivering power. I don't care how long you've been out of the church. I don't care how many generations have been away from God. He's not only going to wash away the sins and the stripes, he's going to let you come out of your sin, out of your mess. He's going to bring you out. You got to get some anticipation here. I'm not just going to church. I'm coming out. I'm coming out of misery. I'm coming out of depression. I'm coming out of fear and addiction. Oh, clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Praise him. Praise him. Come on, praise him all over the building. Praise him all over the building. If he's ever done anything for you, praise him. They came out, they came out because the blood was on the door. And the enemy, come out, leaves. Everybody say there's 10 plagues, but don't forget about the 11th one. It's a 10 plus one. Look at your neighbor say 10 plus one equals 11. God's not done yet. He's not done with Pharaoh. Pharaoh, I'm sorry, buddy, but he's going to ruin it. He's going to remove everything that tries to hold his people into bondage. He's going to destroy everything that's come against the people of promise and prophecy. And so they leave. They go out three and a half million. You can be seated a minute. Be seated. Somebody shout, preach, pastor. Well, thank you. I think I'll keep preaching here today. Watch what happens, Brother Paul. Hey, man, Sister Anderson, watch what happens. Pharaoh and his army said, oh, what, what have we done? I can't believe we let him go. We're not letting him go. Do you see how excited they were taking all that gold and silver and blessing? Oh, look at him. Look at him go. Oh, we're not letting him go. He got his best army, elite army, chariots, spears, swords, bows, the whole deal. And he goes out, and uh, I, need a, I, need, I need a Pharaoh. Come on, Brother Cody. You're going to be the devil. Amen. Watch this. Now, you know how you worship and you jump up and dance and shout? I think it's amazing. Because I'd rather have you doing that than men on the street corner. Yes, sir. I'd rather us have to find you in the altar than a crack house in a bar room. 
Hallelujah. One thing I've learned about you and these young people, they love being in the house of God on Sunday because anytime you start worshiping, you can see the promises. Every time you start praising, you see deliverances. Every time you see our future. Hallelujah. Watch what happens. And you start praising him. I want you to praise God the way you do on Sunday. You, you run and leap and jump. Do your thing. Go that way. That's how he praises. That's how he worships. That's how he magnifies God. That's how they got out of Egypt. You can't shackle a worshiper. You can't shackle a praiser. Everything they come to falls. Everything ahead of them splits. Walls crumble. Giants die. Fire quenches. Lions can't eat when you have a worshiper. And Pharaoh in his arrogance. Come here. You gotta stretch. He's over here bouncing around. Just, just worship. Pharaoh puffs his chest. Be seated, be seated. Pharaoh puffs his chest. He starts walking, riding a chariot. Can you ride a chariot? Ride the chariot, come on. Come on. Hey man, ride that chariot. Come on, all you boys, run up here behind him. Get in your chariot. You're going to go kill that new believer. I'm coming after him. I'm not letting him go free. Look how, look how he's just jumping and smiling and happy. Uh-uh. He's a slave. He's, a, he's, he's supposed to be he's supposed to be working for nothing. He's supposed to not get anything out of life. I'm not letting one of those Hebrew boys go. I'm not doing it. He, he's got arrogance and there's a whole army. And uh, you know what I've noticed about praisers? Praisers are always thanking God for what he did in the past while looking ahead. Praisers, while you're truly praising, you can't see what's behind you. You can only see what's ahead of you. <laughs> That's a true praiser. Praisers are always looking forward while being thankful for where they come from. The problem is, is when you turn and you see what's trying to destroy you. Oh, but something good's about to happen because when it comes to the... He didn't just come to a sea. They came to a Red Sea. And when they got to the Red Sea, the praisers started marching forward and the Red Sea split and they walked across on dry ground. And when they get to the other Come on, nothing can stop you from the prophecy. Red Seas, Jericho Walls, Lion's Dens, they cannot stop you from going where God called you. And they get to the other side. And when they get to the other side, the enemy's still coming. It's coming through the water, coming to the other side. When they get to the other side, they're over there rejoicing because God split the sea. And look who comes in. Look how ugly they are. Look how nasty they are. They smell. They got grit in the teeth. Look at them. It looks like they're going to come and get you and drag you back. But where they made a mistake... They tried to get through the blood. And he let them get far enough. He said, Moses, now it's time to turn around. You turn around and stretch your rod. And when he did, that sea that was heaped up like a wall on one side and a wall on the other side, not just a sea, but a red sea. When that sea came crashing down, it destroyed Pharaoh and every single member of the army that was coming afterwards. Come on, it's not just forgiveness of sins. He remits my sins. He gonna treat me as if it never happened. Come on, I'm gonna live as if it was never in my past. 
What I come to tell you is what have mama bound and grandpa bound. The curse dies in the water. The curse dies in the blood. I said it dies in the water. I looked down the pond the other day and Finn was baptizing his neighbor. He said, in Jesus' name, amen. You know why? Because we believe when you repent of your sins and you say, I'm not, I'm not staying in Egypt. I'm not staying in that bitterness and brokenness and bondage. God's got something better for me. God's got something better for me. You know what you do? You go down to the water. Even Jesus was baptized because he wanted all of us to go through the water. And when you come up out of that water, the Bible says you're going to arise to walk in newness of life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Come on, jump to your feet, clap your hands, and shout, it's a new day in my f- Come up here, get up on the shore. And when the sea comes crashing down, when I count to three, y'all just fall. All right? Now you, they start looking to see where they're gonna fall to. Amen. Smart. Moses turns around for one moment. It was just simply, it's over. Past. It's over. Brother Gene, it's expunged. And when the sea comes down, they just fall. Some of them down are trying to get comfortable. You did. They're not even twitching. They're dead. And when they look back, it's gone. You know what he does? Everybody start them. Do, do, do that what you do. And I'm not making fun of you. I want you to praise God the way you do because it's powerful. Just do what you do. I come to tell you, go ahead and go on. Go ahead and go on to the blessing. Go ahead and go on to the promised land. Go ahead and go on. There's victory in Jesus. Come on, my daddy used to say, there's victory in Jesus. There's victory in Jesus. There's victory in Jesus. You might have been on a street corner, but you can be in the church. You might have been lost, but you can be a teacher in the word. You might have been bound, but you can be free. Somebody shout glory. glory. I feel a shout. It's over. It's over. I feel to tell somebody in the room, it's over. Somebody shout, it's over. It's over. You know what this was? It was a God visitation for deliverance. So if you're here today and you say, why do all y'all people act the way you do? I just told you. We came out. We're free. Come on, if you can act that way in a Buckeye game, I can act this way in church. Come on, if you can get excited over a raise, I can get excited over my deliverance. Where's that curse at? Where's the curse? Hey, where's the curse? You said, hey preacher, don't you know your Bible? There's curses in there to the third and fourth generation. Somebody's sins is going to go to the kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. Where's the curse? 
Right there. It's dead. It's gone. They were the curse. Come on, you want to go to Cracker Barrel? I still want to preach a little bit. You're thinking about Taco Bell? Come on, a pinto beans and cornbread. I don't know what you're thinking about, but I come to tell you, he went to the cross because the Bible says, Curseth is a man that hangeth on a tree. He took the curse so you could be free. They said, Pastor, we had enough. We're getting up. Amen. Listen, I could, I could go on and on and on, but some of you, have curses in your life because of unbelief and willingness to go on. Willingness to move on. Instead of turning it to Jesus and say it was Egyptians, it was, it was us in Egypt. It was a bad place to be, a lot of pain, and there was pain that happened by people that shouldn't have happened. Even Jesus was wounded in the house of his friends. Some people bear the wounds of people that knew better. And the fact of the matter is, we carry the pain of somebody else's mistake, unwilling to go on to the prophecy and the promise of God. But the word for you today is this. His prophecy is still over you. He just needs you to get your clothes on, put your shoes on, let the blood be applied. Amen. And get up, get up, get out of there. And when you do, he's going to destroy everything that's held the family bound. And he's going to set free everything that's in your circle that goes with you. I'm telling you, anything that goes in your direction. Come here, Finn. Come here, Sawyer. And what happens is when I go out and I say my family's going with me, deliverance comes over them because prophecy is already over them. But the power is in the movement. Not in the folding of the arms sitting in the seat and waiting when God says go see split oh my I'm not meddling I'm in the Holy Ghost the problem you're having is just not moving 740 45U Hall what are you doing I'm not going under the bridge down here Brother Tackett, U-Haul from West Virginia and peeled the top of that U-Haul like a banana peeling under that bridge. Don't go on lending with a U-Haul. But get a U-Haul. What are you doing? I'm packing up. Where are you going? I'm going to the place God's already prophesied for me to be. I'm going on. I'm not living in the regrets of yesterday. I'm not sitting in the seat of the scornful, sitting in the way of the sinners, but my delight's going to be in the law of the Lord. And in his law, that I meditate day and night, for I want to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that in due season I shall reap. Somebody shout, Amen. I want you to shout with me. You can hold me, but you can't keep me hostage. I want you to shout, I'm coming out. To go in, clap your hands and praise him. I want every hand lifted. Everybody calling on the name of the Lord.
Brother Cody, come here. Look at me, young man. Look at me, PK, preacher's kid. Look at me. Come here. I want you to grab his hand. I teach you to respect your elders, but that's a devil right now. He's a devil for a moment. I want you to do this. Pull your hand out of his. Come over here for everybody to see. I want you to do it again. That was awesome. Come here. Hold him. You ready? Say. Look at him. Say, you can't hold me. I'm done with you. You're not haunting my mind. You're not shackling my... Listen. His name was Paul. His assistant's name was Silas. Paul and Silas. They were preaching the gospel. And when a breakthrough happened and and breakthrough happened in, in, uh, in Philippi, a breakthrough happened. city got roused up because a devil was cast out of a soothsayer who was speaking deception, false prophecies, false lies, sorceries in that community. And when Lydia was baptized, they got mad and came against him. Matter of fact, they grabbed him, grabbed him, shackled him. They, they turned him around and they beat him in silence. I personally believe Luke was with him. But beat him 39 times with a whip. One's bad enough. But 39 until his back would have been laid open. 39 stripes Paul later talks about. Blood would have been running down his garment, down his legs, into his sandals. His toes would have had blood over that. He doesn't look blessed to me because when they turned him around, there was shackles on his hands. Put your hands together. Shackles on his hands. Shackle on Silas, Silas's hands. And they have them in a prison and no one looking at them will say, you know the Lord's doing a great work in your life. Isn't it wonderful to live for Jesus? And here they are. They're, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah. Are y'all with me? You ever, you ever had a spot in your clothes touch it? Had a wreck my bike one time, cut my knee wide open. I couldn't let anything touch it. Everything, it was just hurt. And just you couldn't get comfortable. They weren't comfortable. And some of you aren't comfortable because the enemy is terrified of who you are. And there's some pain in your life. And in your situation, it's not an Egypt. It's a transition. It's a transition. There's pain, things against you. And uh, don't let the pain keep you from your promise. I'm telling you the Holy Ghost, don't let the pain keep you from your promise. Because the promise is greater than you could have ever imagined. I tell you in the Holy Ghost. And the shackles are there. Worshiping loosely doesn't seem very easy. You want to, but you just can't seem to get your praise together. You go, but it just something got you bound. You want to, but the Bible says at midnight. Somebody shout, it's dark all around me. It's not looking good. Come on. It's things aren't clarity isn't there it's dark it's midnight but the Bible says and at midnight Paul and son you got your shackle buddy you got your backs hurting you 
you're shackled, put your feet together. And there's a, there's a soldier has them bound. It's a modern day Pharaoh. But watch as I close. And at midnight, Paul and Silas parade and sang praises unto God in the midst of my pain, in the midst of what seemingly is bondage. God, we need your help. I don't like what I'm going through, but I just want to know, oh God, if you did it before, you can do it again. If you brought them out of Egypt, you can bring us out of the prison. If you brought them out of bondage, and in a dark hour of their life they started singing I said they started singing to the Lord when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me I know it's gonna be alright I know it's gonna be alright Come on, Cracker Barrel still be open. But I'm singing in the midst of my pain. It's gonna be alright. I said it's gonna be alright. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. Anytime praisers pray, anytime praisers sing. Look what the next verse says. Look it up. No, 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 no. The, the last one, the last one. What does it say? And the prisoners, say it like a preacher. Y'all not acting like a preacher. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody shout, and the prisoners. Oh, I got a preaching church, amen. And the prisoners heard them. Somebody shout, mm. Anytime the church praises, prisoners always hear about it. I know you're waiting on some theological revelation, but the fact of the matter, anytime the church starts rejoicing, people in bondage start getting hope. Anytime you start talking about praising, victory starts coming into the room. Prisoners start thinking about deliverance. Some of you ought to get out of your seat and praise him in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my agony, in the midst of my shackles. God has been good to me through every test and trial. I've got the victory. Somebody shout, God has been good to me through every test and trial. It's not a solo, it's a choir tonight. Somebody shout through every test and trial. I've got, I've got the victory. The enemy's done his best to try to tear me down. 
But my God's never failed me yet, so I'm gonna stand my ground. No matter what comes my way, I'll lift my voice and say, Hallelujah! Anyhow! Wait a minute, one more time. I think I'll say it again. God's been so good to me. He's my closest friend. I'm gonna tell you what some of you need. You need just a good movement and your movement's gonna break every shackle holding you and your family back. The breakthrough is coming. I want you to clap your hands and praise them the way you feel too. started singing look at your neighbor and say you just gotta sing anyhow you gotta shout hallelujah anyhow come on I've been wounded I've been spit upon I've been mocked but I know one that has never failed me yet I know one that has never made a mistake he's never done me wrong he's never done me anything but good You say, preacher, you're trying to get me going. Guilty. The devil's trying to hold you back. I'm trying to get you to go where he called you to be. It's better there than you've ever had before. Take a moment. Do what you feel. I want you to praise him all over the building. Go ahead. I want you to praise him. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.